This is Matt Connickson. I'm the sales agronomist with CHX Ag Services in Oakley, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Randy Conan along with Whitney Pittman and Sierra Doctor. Agrisampo North America market analyst Sterling Smith says the soybean market has been seeing a nice recovery following the post-Ag Outlook Forum sell-off. Beans have bounced nicely off the low end uh, of the market, so that tells me there's some bargain hunting, and we're probably seeing some pretty good commercial demand coming in. Um, export sales yesterday were not very good, and we may very well see uh, a little bit of an improvement on that when we uh, account for the break in price next week. We are looking at South American beans just now coming into the market. We have the, South, the Brazilian crop going into the ground, which uh, conditions look like they're going to be favorable for uh, planting corn. So we've got some natural pressure coming in here. Smith says the livestock market trying to do better. Combination of tighter supplies. I think we did see some better cash trade today. I mean, that's working to lift this market higher. If we can see cutouts to continue to move up and we can see choice above $3, that does create a pretty good runway for the market. I think we're going to get there eventually. It's just kind of a question, I think, of when and how we we get there. Supplies tighten up. This is going to naturally force prices higher. It really comes down to the consumer's willingness to pay up for beef. Transportation quality is still being monitored since COVID slowed railways down. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Daniel Munch says unfilled orders in 2023 are higher than expected. For the first uh, you know, couple of weeks in uh, 2023, average weekly unfilled orders, one or more days overdue, have numbered over 16,000. Uh, that's 15,000 a week. That's 54% above last month and 54% above quarter one uh, of last year. 80% of those are from uh, BNSF, a railroad, and then a a distant second is Orfolk Southern, uh, making up those orders one or more days overdue. And of those one or more orders overdue, 75% remain 11 or more days overdue. So the bulk of them are even more extremely delayed. Munch says the bulk of unfulfilled orders are in upper Midwest states like North Dakota and Minnesota. And that's a 100% increase over last quarter and, and last year. Um, the bulk of those unfilled orders all in the upper mid, uh, upper Midwest states. Uh, Minnesota had over 2,100, uh, 21,000, excuse me, unfilled orders so far in, in quarter one. Uh, in North Dakota, almost 50,000 unfilled orders reported in quarter one uh, so far. The weekly grain car backlog report from North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer's office says the total number of unfilled BNSF orders, one to ten days past due, totaled 1,229 during the week ending February 24th. That's down from 1,384 the previous week. The number of orders 11 or more days past due totaled 2,388, down from 2,973 the previous week. The total number of unfilled Canadian Pacific orders, uh, rail cars, one to ten days past due, totaled just 25 during the week ending February 24th. That's down from 110 the previous week. CP reported no orders 11 or more days past due. 
Cargill has permanently closed its grain facility at the ports of Indiana Burns Harbor on Lake Michigan. A report says Cargill will relinquish its controls of the facility to the ports of Indiana June 1st. Port officials say they are searching for a new operator for the 7.8 million bushel capacity grain elevator. Paraguay and much of Brazil will continue to see regular rounds of rain over the next two weeks. World Weather Incorporated says scattered rain and thunderstorms will move northward from Paraguay and Rio Grande do Sul to central Brazil over the next two weeks. A little more rain is in the forecast for Argentina over the next two weeks, but World Weather says widespread rains are not expected. National Farmers Union Convention will begin Sunday. Minnesota Farmers Union President Gary Wardish is in San Francisco early as board meetings begin today. Our National Farmers Union Convention starting on uh, Sunday and also sit on the National Farmers Union Board. So we start our board meetings today and, and uh, it'll be a busy time. Secretary Vilsack is coming out here to meet. He'll be meeting with us. So as members from around the country get together and debate policy, it's always good to keep people from around the country. And, you know, farming, you know, is a big tent. Even within Minnesota, we have a lot of different types of farms. So it's always in, in farming operations. And But, you know, the bottom line is everybody just needs to make a living on the farm and be part of the rural communities. And Wordish anticipates a top discussion will be the uh, upcoming farm bill. Well, I think obviously, you know, the uh, upcoming farm bill really is, you know, one of the top priorities. But, you know, advancing renewable fuels, you know, as we work on, you know, climate change and or whatever you want to call it, our weather patterns are changing. You know, and farmers, we can play a part of that. So, you know, part of that is increasing the use of biofuels like ethanol. So, you know, that in the, you know, trade, but, you know, really, you know, the farm bill would be probably the top one of the top issues. But there's always plenty of issues to talk about. The Environmental Protection Agency has approved E15 for year-round use in eight Midwestern states, including Minnesota and South Dakota. However, the change does not take effect until 2024. It is a confusing decision for Minnesota Corn Growers Association President Richard Severson. We're excited for consumers in Minnesota to have access to E15 year-round without any confusing labeling or issues at the pump. Uh, but we're just puzzled about why the EPA would have pushed this back. Uh, doesn't seem to make any sense. We had approval uh, through emergency powers uh, last summer and made it through uh, no reported problems of any kind, uh, whether at stations or with vehicles. Uh, this is a great fuel that saves consumers money. It's better for the environment. It helps us market our products out of rural America. There's just no uh, reason to... Uh, to delay this. In Minnesota, sold a record on 105 million gallons of E15 last year. The North Go to the Red River Farm Network's website, rrfn.com, to sign up for the Farm Weekly FarmNet News e-newsletter. You can also download this broadcast and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. It's all at rrfn.com. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. Lawmakers have introduced legislation that would reform agricultural checkoff programs. National Cattlemen's Beef Association Vice President of Government Affairs Ethan Lane says this bill has popped up the last few Congresses. It's driven primarily by senators and members of Congress that are deeply engaged with the radical animal rights community. You know, this is something that is an extremely high priority for the anti-animal agriculture uh, portion of the animal rights 
community. They, they are really focused on shutting down producers' ability to promote their own product. Um, so it's, it's critically important as part of that that they undermine and, and dismantle checkoff programs uh, that, that do that important work. So, and when we've seen this bill in past Congresses, um, it has historically not garnered support beyond those folks that are, uh, that are, that are deeply connected to those extremists. Lane doesn't expect the bill to gain much traction. And it's interesting when you read through it, about half of the things in the bill already occur. You know, it, it sort of presumes in the bill that there isn't already an extensive annual required audit process on commodity checkoff programs. Of course, that's already the case. Uh, contractors to those checkoffs have extensive requirements they must fulfill in order to have expenses reimbursed from those checkoff contracts. Remember, a beef checkoff contractor doesn't receive funding up front. They must complete the work of the project and then seek reimbursement of those expenses. There's a fairly extensive, very transparent process that everyone must engage in to, to complete this business. This legislation has been met with mixed reviews from agriculture groups. According to South Dakota House Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee Chair Roger Chase, it's been a relatively quiet legislative session that will come to a close next week. While a bill proposing more strict regulations on foreign ownership of ag land was killed, Chase says House Bill 1189 is a good starting point. House Bill 1189 was a good bill, but I thought that it was important. I know the governor wanted to have a really strong, really stringent uh, foreign ag land ownership bill. Uh, that bill did die, but uh, House Bill 1189 is a great uh, starting point. Uh, one of the lobbyists that came up and testified in favor of the bill, this will get us to know what we don't know right now, and that is what is out there for foreign ownership now, both as far as ownership as well as uh, leases that are going on in agriculture. By collecting information when filing renewals with the South Dakota Secretary of State, that bill will identify any current foreign ownership of ag land. Working groups will determine best steps moving forward to identify foreign interests at the point of purchasing property. Basically, whenever you file your renewal with, uh, with the Secretary of State in South Dakota, whether you're an LLC or if you're a corporation or whatever ownership you are, you have to disclose any foreign ownership or uh, involvement in whatever agricultural products you've got going on right now in land ownership. So uh, there'll probably be a couple different work groups going over the summertime looking at what we can do to enhance further protection from foreign buyers and foreign investors, especially ones that are hostile to the U.S. and to the state of South Dakota, and uh, make sure that we've got that taken care of at the point of when they purchase the property. And the bill was uh, delivered to Governor Noam yesterday after passing both the House and the Senate unanimously. Drought situations in parts of the U.S. are easing. According to the U.S. Drought Monitor, southeast North Dakota has seen improvements with parts of, of are classified as severe drought along the South Dakota border easing into moderate drought. Several counties along the Red River Valley have regressed into abnormally dry conditions. South Dakota has seen major improvements compared to three months ago with less than half a percent in D3 to D4 conditions. Less than 45% of the state is now in abnormally dry conditions with small spots of severe drought located throughout. Compared to last week, Minnesota is free of severe drought conditions in southwest counties with 56% of the state in abnormally dry conditions. 
The North Dakota Department of Agriculture's North Dakota Agriculture Products Utilization Council has awarded funding for four projects totaling $700,000. Included in the funding is $250,000 for Epitome Energy LLC towards building a soybean crush facility near Grand Forks. North American Bison LLC was awarded $250,000 to implement X-ray technology at their plant to meet the requirements of large retailers. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture, and we take a look at what's going on in the cover of Ag Week in the week ahead. Noah Fish is uh, with us right now. Noah, what, uh, what are we looking at in the, this upcoming issue? Uh, so my story looks at, uh, it's a feature story on Albert Lee Seed, uh, which is based in Albert Lee, Minnesota. Um, it's, it's on their biggest year, which comes on their 100-year anniversary, actually. Uh, the company, uh, which began contracting and producing certified organic seed um, in 1998, acquired Blue River Organic Seed this summer, and that made it the largest organic field supplier in the country. No, what did you see as their, their niche in the industry? Well, their niche is definitely the organic industry. Um, predating the National Organic Program, uh, which became operational in 2002, Albert Lee Seed worked with uh, a local farmer at the time, or in 97, to grow certified organic oats. And then they launched them the following year. And since then, the organic industry has kind of just gone up ever since. And so um, this year, Mac Earhart, who's uh, one of the co-owners right now, said that uh, their sales will be over 65% of its business this year will be certified organic seeds. What other kind of seed are they are they producing at uh, Albert Lee Seedhouse? Well, they also do corn and soybeans, and, and Max, that that's still a, a very important part of their business um, and their customer base. So they are, you know, they do lean. Uh, they're known for their organic seed, but they also do have, you know, big conventional seeds. Thank you, Noah. We're looking forward to seeing that in this upcoming edition of Ag Week. Thank you. And let's check markets before we leave you this afternoon. May wheat Minneapolis is down three cents, eight seventy-three and a quarter. Chicago down a half at seven twelve and a quarter. Kansas City May wheat's down seven and a half, eight eighteen and a half. May corn seven cents higher at six forty-one. December corn's up a penny and a half at five seventy-two. Uh, May canola in Winnipeg down two dollars eighty cents a metric ton at uh, eight twenty-two fifty Canadian. The uh, April live cattle dollar seventeen higher at one sixty-five twenty-seven. April feeder cattle two dollars higher at one ninety-five eighty-five. April lean hog sixty-five cents higher at eighty-four fifty. Have a great weekend. This is the Red River Farm Network. <laughs>